Welcome to Enjoying the Journey with Evangelist Scott Pauling. Today, we are on a journey through Scripture. We hope you'll join us as we make 66 stops through each book of the Word of God. I had the wonderful privilege of growing up in a pastor's home and then not only living in a pastor's home but serving under the same pastor for nearly two decades of my life. Now every week of my life I'm with different pastors. This very day I have had the privilege of, of spending time with a pastor of a local church and I love preachers. I love God-called pastors. And uh, I want to just say to you today, you ought to thank God if you have a faithful pastor, a shepherd that feeds you the Word of God and points you to the chief shepherd, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, praise God for pastors. Do everything you can to pray for them and to encourage them. Now, why do I begin our broadcast today on that note? Because in our journey through Scripture, we've come to the section known as the pastoral epistles or the pastoral letters. They're called this because they're written to young pastors to give them instruction. The books I'm referring to are 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. Now, the word pastor itself is only used once in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, uh, but it's equivalent. Uh, this shepherd idea is used throughout, and it is the same office that is referred to as the bishop or the elder. Well, 1st Timothy explains for us the heart of a pastor and the qualifications of a pastor and the duties of a pastor and the goals of a pastor. And uh, it, for that reason, these are referred to as pastoral epistles. Now, these letters are also significant because they're some of the last of Paul's writings before his martyrdom. And so they give us lasting instructions on how to do the work of God in the last days. Now before you tune me out or turn me off and say, well, if this is for pastors, this is not for me, may I remind you that it is this very portion of the Bible that says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, my friend, the Word of God meets all of our needs. It is all sufficient. And so when you approach the pastoral epistles, first it makes us think about pastors and our relationship to them, uh, the way we should honor, the way we should submit to God-ordained leadership, spiritual leadership in the local assembly, uh, but also the responsibility that we have in a local assembly. Uh, my friend, a church is not just made up of a pastor. A church is made up of many people in that body. Uh, the pastor is one member among many members. But we all have the privilege and opportunity of serving the Lord and being a part of the wonderful work of God. And so I want to say to you that even the pastoral epistles have something very definite to say to every one of us. Now Paul is writing to his son in the ministry, his son of the faith, Timothy. We know that Timothy was raised in a Christian home. 2 Timothy 1.5 even refers to his mother and his grandmother by name and their heritage. He was part of the church at Lystra. His name means honoring God. I love that. And as mentioned about 24 times in the New Testament, as best we can tell, 
He became one of Paul's closest friends and most faithful fellow laborers. And when Paul writes to him in these letters, he's pastoring a local church in a place called Ephesus. So we've studied uh, the book of Ephesians and we know something about the church at Ephesus. That's where Timothy is serving the Lord at this particular time. Now there are so many key things in 1 Timothy. There are words that are used repeatedly, words like godliness. Oh, that's a word we need to get back to. May God give us a generation of people that understand godliness. A doctrine is used repeatedly, and we need to return to real Bible doctrine in our day. Uh, words like teach and charge are used repeatedly. The word faithful is used often. Great, great Bible words. But I want to bring you to one verse that I believe is the key that opens up 1 Timothy to us. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15. The Apostle Paul writes and says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now we learn something about Christ's institution of the church in this verse, but we also learn something individually about our place in it. Institutionally we know that the church is the church of the living God. It's not our church, it's His church. And the Bible says it's the pillar and ground of the truth. What is the church's work in this world? It is literally to hold up the message of Jesus, to hold up the truth in a world of error. But the first part of the verse says that we're to know how we are to behave ourselves in the house of God. Now, this doesn't simply mean listen in church or be, a, be a, a good person in the meetings, though I think we should teach people how to listen to preaching and how to interact and how to participate and all of that. That's not what this verse is about. This verse is about how to live as a member of, member of a local assembly, a member of a local church in a way that brings glory and honor to the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's a matter of personal conduct. It's a matter of our godliness, of living in a way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the phrases that is used three times in this book is the phrase, this is a faithful saying. I love that phrase. It's used in chapter 1, verse 15, in reference to salvation. It's used in chapter 3, verse 1, in reference to service. And it's used in chapter 4, verse 9, in reference to spiritual living. Now, Paul says, look, I want to give you the truth. I want to put, you, uh, put it down on the bottom line, right down on the, on the lower shelf so you can get it. This is a faithful saying. This is the way God wants you to live your life. This is what ought to characterize the life of a believer. And that's not just true of Timothy. That's true of every person in the local assembly. Let me prove it to you. He begins the book of 1 Timothy with an explanation. Uh, the opening four verses of the book, really an explanation, a summary of what Paul has in mind for Timothy and for the church. Then he gives some examples in the rest of chapter number 1. He gives an example of how not to behave. And he talks about some specific men that didn't behave themselves the right way. He gives an example of how to behave. And Paul uses himself as a pattern for young Timothy and he says, follow the example that I've given you. But the rest of the book, now get this, the rest of the book is a list of exhortations. Exhortations to all different groups of people about their place in the local church. Now, he talks to everyone about their prayer life. He addresses women. He addresses pastors. He addresses deacons. He addresses church members. He addresses the wealthy. I'm telling you, whoever you are, whatever your role in the local church, God has a word for you. 
And what is the word? The word is that you should know how to behave yourself in the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. You know, it's easy for me to spot somebody else's sin and weakness. Oh, yes, I can, I can spot your sin at a hundred yards and tell you all about it. But so often, even in the church meetings, when the pastor's preaching, we think, I hope she's getting this. I hope he's taking good notes today. He really needs this sermon. But the truth of the matter is, in the words of the old spiritual, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Do you know how to have a great church? Great churches are made up of believers who are seeking to be the best possible Christian they can be. They're made up of strong church members. They're made up of strong Christian families. And if you want your church to be everything it ought to be, then you work not just to get from your church what you can get from your church, but to give back to it. Do your part. You may never be the Apostle Paul, and you may not be the pastor of the church, but my friend, you can say, by the grace of God, I'm going to pray and work and love and live in a way that honors Christ and strengthens the local assembly. And if you will do that, God will use you in a powerful way. You are one part of something much greater than yourself. But if you'll do your part, God will do the rest. And if ever there was a generation that needs stronger churches, not weaker, it is our generation. It's the generation that's about to meet Jesus. And when we meet Jesus, we're going to give an account of how we behaved ourselves in the house of God. Friend, did you know that the purpose of the Bible is not to know the Bible, the facts, the people, the places, but instead the purpose of the Bible is to know God. Do you know Him? Do you know that God has already done everything necessary for you to know Him? Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross and rose again from the dead to pay for your sin debt. It is our prayer that you will trust Jesus today. If you'd like additional help in your Christian life, be sure to visit our website, scottpauley.org. Among the many resources we have available, we're excited to make available to you a Journey Through Scripture daily Bible reading plan. This will be a tremendous help in our current study. Until next time, may God help you to enjoy the journey.